Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Why were my social media feeds filled with Trump and the Nazi salute? Can I, can I get an understanding of what happened here? Because I did not see the Trump rally in Ohio this this weekend, but everyone's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, Trump is he's got the whole crowd doing a doing a Nazi salute. I, I saw some people in prayer and they put their hands up. I saw some other things like that. Not everything is Nazi. You can argue some things are weird. I am not saying you can't argue that some things are weird. Some things are like, eh, it's a little goofy for me. I uh, am this way, uh, for example, when people get idol-like about former President Trump. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. You can email me, Tony at TonyKatz.com. You can use Twitter for the one thing it's good for, having this conversation. Tony uh, Katz on the Twitter box, and, of course, the chat room is open. Um, at uh, Locals, TonyKatz.Locals.com. The chat room is open. We can talk uh, right there. Um, I am not an idol worship kind of cat. It's why I don't fall into the category of we have to have Trump in 2024. Trump may run. He might not run. I don't know. And I don't feel like getting to the conversation of who's going to do what, when, where, why, or how. But the idea that it could only be one person. Huge mistake. Massive, massive mistake. I have been a proponent of discussing that we don't necessarily need the guy. We need to make sure that the guy's lessons are learned by other guys who do it in their own way. Don't try and emulate Trump because Trump is Trump. You're somebody else. Which is why I like the way that uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin is doing things. And I like the way Governor Ron DeSantis is doing things. And as I was discussing, you're already seeing the attacks on DeSantis. Uh, uh, you think Trump was bad. At least Trump had some soft edges and it was eccentric. This this DeSantis guy, whoo! Actual piece from the New York Times referring to the fact that, that Donald Trump has soft edges. That's a... That is a miraculous, miraculous take. But over there in Virginia, Governor uh, Glenn Youngkin is making perfect sense. And what Glenn Youngkin is saying is that uh, we are not going to sit here and allow some very woke people to abuse our kids. And we're certainly not going to force upon anybody this transgender pronoun nonsense. Note I said pronoun nonsense. I don't tell grown-ups how to live their lives. 
I may not understand it. I may not get it. I may think that if we're talking about DSM-5, if we're talking about real uh, clinical uh, uh, kind of, of of things here, we call it gender dysphoria. You're going to have to uh, talk to somebody on your own and do something uh, about your own issues. But I don't tell adults how to live. I very much have an opinion about how children should live. Children need to be protected more often than not from themselves. And we have to be the people who protect kids. We have to be these people. This is a story from Fox about Governor Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia. In a statement, Governor Glenn Youngkin continues, quote, it is not under a school's or the government's purview to impose a set of particular ideological beliefs on all students. Key decisions rest first and foremost with the parents. That theme is clear throughout the policy. For example, it says parents must be informed and given the opportunity to object before counseling services on gender are given. It says staff should refer to students only by the pronouns and legal names reflected in the school official record and unless the student is a legal adult it says a parent has to green light any name changes in writing the policy also says staff and other students cannot be forced to use preferred pronouns if it violates their constitutional rights on bathroom and locker room use it says students must use facilities consistent with his or her sex except to the extent that federal law requires other otherwise so so first um, children are not adults, and children do not have the rights of adults. And children can't be going about just deciding uh, things without adult uh, uh, approval or supervision. You know, I say this about hospitals, I'll say it again. Any hospital that engages surgery on children regarding uh, their gender is a hospital that should be put out of business. Doctors who should lose their licenses for forever. This isn't gender affirming care, this is abuse. This is abusive. But Glenn Youngkin is going down the right road here. Standing up for kids and really standing up for parents as well, standing up for kids. Standing in protection of children by standing up for parents and saying, you simply can't take away their right to knowledge. They have the right to know. The state of Florida, as is uh, reported on by the Post Millennial, Considering banning medicalized gender transitions for children. It would prohibit minors from receiving sex reassignment surgery and puberty blocking hormone treatments and would require that older patients sign a consent form and wait 24 hours before starting such treatments. Now, let me tell you where this is wrong. We have to ask ourselves what they mean by older patients. What is meant by an older patient? Because if you mean somebody over the age of 18, you can't, You don't have me. And you could say to me, Tony, why 18? I have to be 21 to get a gun. You mean you could be 18 to, get, to have gender reassignment surgery, but you have to be 21 to have a firearm? Somehow your brain is, is you know, more, more formed to be able to, to deal with the removal of your genitals than the purchase of a shotgun? I think it's a legit uh, uh, approach. But the idea that you would prohibit minors from receiving the surgery and these hormones, absolutely, positively. Prohibit. Well, Tony, you're just, 
stopping them from being their true selves. No, they, they are who they are. What they have to do is find a level of happiness. And just because you can't get something done today doesn't mean that you can't get something done when you're an adult, when you've had time to think about it, not when you're put under radical num- amounts of peer pressure from culture or from radicalized teachers or from other kids, or you're a child and you don't know any better and you just want to be special already. You love the attention. Are we going to pretend that doesn't happen? That happens. That happens a lot. Let us not kid ourselves. If we were, was it was it uh, Bill Maher who was discussing, this was a couple of months ago, that if we went with the, the trends and how many kids are consider themselves gay, and then remember, gay and transgender are two very different things, and how many kids consider themselves transgender, in a couple of years, we'll all be transgender. Because it just keeps growing. Because it's a way kids can be like, look at me. It's the new anorexia. I'm not being flip or glib. I think I'm discussing this honestly, clearly, thusly. And the answer is no. Kids need to be protected. Very, more often than not from themselves. If you're a parent allowing your 14-year-old to engage in puberty blockers, I think you're wrong. I think you're doing great damage to your kid. You're being abusive. I didn't say that you can't decide how you're going to raise your child. I said, I think you're being abusive. And I think a state can decide whether or not they allow those things to take place. You can argue, well, it's a violation of my rights. What rights are we talking about? Of children? Of parents who... Uh, uh, of parents who want to do things to their kids? So we understand each other. Adults can do what they can, what they choose. Even if I think that they're wrong, even if I think it's strange, even if I don't understand it, my acceptance is not necessary. Children need to be protected, certainly from abusive parents. If you have a child, if you're convincing your child, if you're moving your child towards puberty blockers, hormone therapy, or in surgeries, there's a real question there. Now, I'm going to get vilified for this because they will be correct. Not every parent is trying to abuse their kid if they go down this road. I would respond by saying, if you loved your kid, and I, I, this is me uh, saying this to other parents, You don't give in to the demand. This is something you want, okay. This is something you're still going to want when you're 18. And then you're going to be able to make that decision. But you need to take some time with this. You can't just jump into this. You can't. You have to breathe. You're going to have to wait it out. You're going to have to make sure this is something you really want to do. There's a lot more research to do. Well, Tony, if you don't allow children to engage in this surgery, you're, you're going to lead them to suicide. You can take that, that argument and you can shove it because that's not what leads to suicide. I don't allow you to mutilate yourself so you kill yourself is not a real argument. 
Suicide comes from self-hate, self-loathing, depression, uh, not understanding your own core value, not being able to see a way out. It's an awful, terrible feeling. It's dreadful. I wish it on no one. I'm sorry I ever went through it myself. You know, they say, oh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I didn't need to be this strong. Thank you very much. I didn't need it. I don't let you have some level of radical surgery where you disfigure your body and that's what's going to lead you to kill yourself. Anybody who puts that out there as a thought process, as an idea, as a way of shaming other people to hell with them, discount them. That is a lie. And that's abusive of children as well. Well, if they don't let you do this, little Tommy, I guess you're just going to have to take, you know, some kind of drastic measure. That's what you're saying. Of course you're wrong. Governor Glenn Youngkin is right. And I'm very interested to see what Florida is discussing here. Because these people who are pushing gender-affirming surgeries, whether it be hospitals or others, this is gross. It is tough. Very tough to have these conversations. It's extremely, extremely difficult. But it's also extremely necessary. Extremely necessary. To, to be people who say, this is where we have to stand up. We have to make sure we're always clear about the line between childhood and adulthood. Why? Because these lunatics out here want to push children into adulthood and get rid of childhood altogether. If you're pushing kids, if you believe that kids should be able to make their own medical judgments and engage surgeries at 13, 14, 15 to disfigure themselves, yeah, I think you're a dangerous you-know-what. And it's, it bothers me to no end that we have to be a society that fights you. You shouldn't be allowed in a civil society. But here we are. Cultural Marxism is doing a pretty good job of invading our, ter- our turf, and we're going to have to push this mother back. This conversation is a conversation happening across America. Virginia and Florida, good on you for at least having the the decency to share the conversation. And uh, it doesn't have to be the way they say it is. I like that a lot. I'm Tony Katz. So there's a story out of uh, Utah, BYU against the University of Oregon. Ryan, did you hear about the story? Uh, I have not yet. All right, so so that's Ryan, uh, by the way. He's been filling in. Somebody asked the other day, where's Ari? Ari uh, moved on to, to greener pastures, uh, wanted to pursue some other career opportunities, and we said, uh, all the best, man. Go get him. Go get him. And that's where, that's where Ari is. Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, good to be with you. Uh, University of Oregon against BYU. Um, And according to a video that's out there, a football game, Oregon fans were chanting, blank the Mormons during the game. Now, the governor, Spencer Cox of Utah, 
uh, tweeted, retweeted this and said, religious bigotry alive and celebrated in Oregon. I got, I have to tell the governor that that's not it. Now, I am not saying that he doesn't have every right to be disgusted and he could say anything he wants about University of Oregon students, except that the group with this, sec- this section, this fan section known as, known as the Oregon Pit Crew, to all BYU fans in attendance at today's game, we would like to apologize for the actions of the students in attendance. We do not condone any hateful speech directed towards one's religion and are ashamed of those who participated. You must be able to delineate between bigotry and morons. The students in this section at the University of Oregon are morons. They're dumb. They're losers. And that's why they go to University of Oregon and your kids go to BYU. The low-hanging fruit is to claim religious bigotry alive and celebrated in Oregon. Because that's not true. It's it's like um, if if you show me the three stop signs uh, have a swastika on them, I, I will not tell you that shows a rise in anti-Semitism. That shows a rise in moronism. There are morons out there, a whole bunch of them. A rise in anti-Semitism is a rise in anti-Semitism. The University of Oregon sincerely apologizes for an offensive and disgraceful chant coming from the student section during yesterday's game against Brigham Young University. These types of actions go against everything the university stands for, and it goes against the spirit of competition. We can and will do better as a campus community that has no place for hate, bias, or bigotry. Yeah, and then you come down on the students, maybe maybe throw three or four students out. Or call them morons. Tell them they're stupid. Because that's what happened. They're just stupid. Sometimes that's all there is. As much as you want it to be the other thing, sometimes all there is is the stupidity. I, 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 I wish that it, that more people could just go down this road. Understand this for what it is. Not everything is the proof of the intolerance. Sometimes people are stupid. And so what we do with that matters greatly. And I think sometimes what we need to do with that is recognize it. Now... As for these uh, fans, these students, oh, maybe you don't get to come to another Oregon game. You're done. Release for the rest of the season. Be a good start. Lifetime might be a better one. I'll leave that to the University of Oregon. I'm Tony Katz. Trump shy. Now, this was a term... For voters in 2016 who were going to vote for Trump but didn't necessarily want to talk about it. They didn't want it known that they were going to vote for Trump. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Now, I can clearly remember that I had used a different term 
and I, I I can't remember the term I used, but for for the sake of this, because it was the term most most prevalent at the time, uh, a shy Trump voter, a guy by the name of Robert, I think I pronounce his last name Kahali, he's a pollster at the Trafalgar Group, made what is simply an incredibly good analysis regarding where voters are and where polls are and the absolute lack of faith that we all have in polls. If we head over to Real Clear Politics right now and we take a look at some of their averages, it's it's the site that I use. I think a lot of people use it. Um, I think that in terms of just saying, okay, here's what the polls are saying, it's it's a very good, easy, clean readout. And that's different than them doing the polling or doing any level of investigation into the polling. That's that's for us to do. So, for example, uh, the Dallas Morning News in the uh, governor's race in Texas, Greg Abbott versus uh, Beto Watch Me uh, Skateboard O'Rourke, uh, it's Abbott by nine. I think most people would believe that to be true they would they would they would think that that's right if you take a look at the arizona senate race done by the trafalgar group it has mark kelly the democrat the incumbent leading blake masters by two and you're like okay that's that's uh that, that that's good for masters you got to just take a look at the poll though and when you take a look at the poll, what you learn is that it has 1,080 likely voters and a margin of error of 2.9. That is a poll that I have faith in. And with Kelly plus two, that is within the margin of error. I for I don't look at anything that doesn't have at least 500 people. It's got to be likely voters, not registered voters. Registered voters doesn't mean anything. Who's going to go to the poll uh, matters. Uh, and, of course, the larger the sample size, uh, I like it. Uh, three is where I usually sit, for me, in a margin of error for me to pay attention. So you tell me a margin of error 2.9, I'll believe it. In the poll that was just prior to that, from Emerson, it was 627 likely voters, a margin of error of 3.9, and still had Kelly plus two. So in that, I'd be like, I don't know where I'm at on that. But you show me Trafalgar Group, 1,080 likely voters, 2.9 margin of error, Kelly plus two, Okay. All right. That's that's where it's at. This this race is tight and clearly Trump is not necessarily a negative effect. That's what the polling would tell me if I was going to believe just one poll. So you go back to this to this conversation that this pollster is having, Robert Kahali. In 2016, Trump supporters were called deplorables and other unflattering names. This was a major contributor to the, quote, shy Trump voter, unquote, phenomenon that most polling missed, which resulted in a major loss in public confidence for polling flow, for polling flowing the election or following the election. I think that's absolutely accurate. He follows it up with, in 2020, People who supported Trump or espoused conservative values out of step with woke culture found themselves being canceled or doxxed. This led to hidden voters that most polling undercounted. Therefore, Trump's support in key battleground states exceeded expectations. We went over this last week. This crazy graph that came from the New York Times, you're like, holy crap, that graph needed a beer at a moment. 
because you saw all the places where the polling would have like Biden plus eight. And then uh, the reality was it was Biden plus one. It was Biden plus six in the polling. The reality was Biden less than one. It was Biden plus four in, in the polling. The reality, Trump by less than one. In so many ways, Trump outperformed the polls, or it could be said differently, Biden underperformed the polls, that it would make one believe what? That the poll can't be trusted. Something we have been saying since 2016. And I started saying it because I got burned by the Romney polls. I, I, let's not say burned. Let's understand what happened to me. I got my ass kicked and handed to me in a live stream with thousands of people on hand by those polls and had to continue to do live election coverage as Obama won re-election for an hour and a half. Got my ass kicked. And I said, what do I learn from this? I didn't yell, I didn't scream. I had myself a drink and said, what do I learn from this? Well, I can't trust these polls. Why can't I trust these polls? I wasn't so sure at the time, but I knew they couldn't be trusted. That had let me down. So I have once bitten, twice shy, I'm gonna be wary of those things. And what did I learn? People are not honest with pollsters. People don't wanna be honest with pollsters. They want to confuse the pollster. They want to lead people into a false sense of security. It's exactly why you see on the political left the amount of contribution that's going on to MAGA Republicans. They really believe this MAGA Republican thing is going to work. They think that this is a, a, a way to ensure re-election. Get the wildest and craziest nominee from the right out there, and some people are a little wild and crazy, and... Uh, there it is. What they never notice is that their nominees on the left are a little wild and, wild and crazy. Do you really think that Representative Rashida Tlaib is in the mainstream of anything? Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan is a bigot who believes Israel should be wiped off the map. Who came to D.C. to impeach the mother blanker. Oh, I'm sorry. I made that up. I'm wrong. I don't have the story. Huh. Because I'm pretty sure I got the story. People love you, and you win. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won, bullies don't win. And no. I said, baby, they don't, because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the mother... We're not going to go in there and do the work of the people of Michigan. We're not going to go in there and expose values that are great for America. We're going to go in there with full retribution in our hearts and in our eyes. You, you want to tell me that's in the mainstream? You, you go ahead. You, you tell me it's in the mainstream all you want. But uh, I, I won't be buying into that right there. I don't think I'm going to be a part of that conversation. So this guy, Robert Cahalli, continues. Now that the Biden administration has essentially classified MAGA Republicans, quote-unquote, as a threat to democracy, marshalling federal law enforcement to focus on them, this move has created a new type of voter that will be even harder to poll or even estimate. I call this new group, Robert Cahalli does, submerged voters. 
They aren't putting stickers on their cars or signs in their yards, posting their opinions, or even answering polls. At this point, I think it's fair to say that Biden's pursuit of an attacks on MAGA Republicans has created an army of voters who will be virtually impossible to poll, even for us, him at Trafalgar, uh, and more st- difficult still to estimate. The 2022 Republican turnout will likely be higher than any of the of the polls or models are showing. All polls, including ours, will understate the impact of these submerged voters. That is some kick-butt analysis. Because he is saying something that you have probably said under your breath or on the bar stool or at the dinner table or sitting at the couch. You've, you've, you've said it offhandedly to friends. No one's responding to these polls. All these polls are full of crap. Oh, no one's answering the polls correctly. They're all lying to screw them up. You, you think I'm going to put a Trump sign in my yard? They're going to burn down my house. Something like, literally to that or like that you've said or you've heard somebody else say. And certainly if you haven't said or haven't heard somebody else say it, you could see in your mind's eye somebody saying it. This is really good analysis. This is one of those things like when you hear it, you're like, well, yeah. But when you hear it from somebody who does this for a living, you hear it from, from a pro, and they just have the, the ability because it's their business to kind of put the polish on it. You're like, damn. That's exactly right. I have had that exact same thought. And then all of a sudden you'll realize that like this group of people around you, they've all had this same exact thought. And if everybody's had this same thought and you you can listen to this from Robert Cahalley and and, uh, and be like, well, yeah. When you realize how big this underpolling could very well be. Let's take a look at Pennsylvania, where you've got John Fetterman, the lieutenant governor, the lummoxy guy who had the stroke. He was a lummox before he had the stroke, please. But he's not okay from the stroke, that's obvious, going up against Dr. Oz, the celebrity doctor. The last poll, Trafalgar Group, 1,078 likely voters, 2.9 margin of error. John Fetterman, the Democrat, up by two points. I'm willing to believe that that's accurate. I'm also willing to believe, taking in the conversation that we just had about Robert Cahalley uh, from from that group, right? Chief pollster at Trafalgar, that he is getting underplayed on the people from the political right. That if in a poll he can get only Fetterman only by two, the Democrat only by two, the Republican may very well be in the lead. And in 1,078 likely voters with a margin of error of 2.9%, that's in the margin. And this is why Fetterman has finally agreed to a debate. But Democrats in Pennsylvania are absolutely positively freaked out about Fetterman. Selena Zito, New York Post, awesome piece. That Democrats, because she, she travels the country to talk to people, Democrats are stating quite clearly, I didn't know he was this bad. 
I didn't know he couldn't finish a sentence. I didn't know he couldn't put keep his 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 mind together. I had no idea it was this problematic. I knew he had health issues, says one voter. I did not realize the extent they had affected him. That's uh that's not good. That's not good at all. And this is starting to have a real effect. I use this story and I couple it with a story out of Philadelphia where Philadelphia voters said, yeah, yeah, we know he's not okay. We don't care. I'm sorry, what? What do you mean you don't care? Well, we don't care. I will tell you anecdotally, I have heard a couple of these kinds of stories in my beloved Indianapolis and other places where the, the, the stories go anecdotally that are told to me. Um, uh, yeah, 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 we'll, we'll vote. What do we get? What? What do we get? What's in it for us? I hear once again the stories about people showing up places with cash uh, to, to, to get votes, planning that all out. This all ties into an insane story over from TikTok. A guy who's on uh, TikTok claims that he was offered $400 to make an anti-Trump video. The Good Info Foundation is allegedly paying or offering to pay TikTokers money to put out specific talking points in an anti-Trump, anti-Republican January 6th video on, on their channel. That's, that is one heck of a way to manipulate an election and to manipulate voters. Certainly not something we should be in favor of. Certainly something by which um, if this, whatever this foundation is, they may have to go. They're a 501c3 tax exempt uh, organization. According to uh, the, the, the sources. Well, if you're offering people uh, money to make videos that are political, you got to go. You're gone. You're done. You're finished. Nice knowing you. Maybe this is happening because they realize on the political left how underwater they are. Maybe that's why it's happening. Maybe these things do come together, that you have some people who recognize that the polling is missing whole swaths of the political right that are, and even independents that are going to come out in waves because they, they hate being called this and they just won't tell anybody. They're just going to come out and vote. And then you've got the people who are like, I'll vote as long as there's something in it for me and I don't care what's wrong with the Democrat. They're going to give me things, right? That's the thought process. And now you have a group that's been caught or the allegations say that they're offering people money to say the things and do the things that will help leftist candidates. Trust polling? You're out of your damn mind. I have no plans of doing anything like that at all. I'm Tony Katz. Bring them out, bring them out. I had tweeted about this Tommy Lahren speech in University of New Mexico where the mob came screaming and yelling, trying to shut her down, but the doors were closed, but they were screaming and yelling so much that she ended her speech early. 
Um, and and uh, some people says that you know she she left on her own accord, and some people are saying that it was this large crowd of protesters screaming and yelling. Um, uh, according to uh, the Independent, uh, the university shut down uh, the speech and evacuated the guests. And I saw this as people, you know, shoot, uh, uh, posting video of the crowd screaming and yelling and saying, this is great, this is how Tommy Laren should be treated. I don't know Tommy. I don't think Tommy's a great mind. I think she might be a nice person, right? That's the extent that I know her, and I know her work. But it's very hard to be screaming Tommy Laren is a fascist while you're screaming uh, that her speech should be shut down and you gather as many people as you can to be so disruptive and provocative and, yes, uh, potentially violent that you get the speech to stop. If you're screaming about fascists while acting like the fascist, then I, you get the point? It's just a weird, weird, weird flex. And, and yet the left keeps doing this. A civil society lets people speak even when you disagree with them. That's how it's supposed to work. And if you can't do that, well, then stop thinking you're civil. You don't have to like Tommy Laren. No one cares. She gets to speak if she gets invited to speak at the place. To want to shut her down is uh, never think that you're decent. That's just not true. This is Tony Katz today.